Hello, hello, and thank you so much for joining me today for my first podcast episode ever. I'm super excited about this. I've been wanting to start a podcast for years. I just didn't know what I wanted my podcast to be about. And so today I finally figured it out. And so I'm really excited. Um, My creative juices are flowing. I have decided to name my podcast Today I Learned because... I have noticed that I am constantly reading and researching and learning about ways to heal from my trauma, from um, to heal my body. Um, I, I learn all these things all the time, and I always want to share them with everybody. Like I want to shout them at the top, at the you know top of a mountain. Like, hey, everyone, you need to know this. It will help you. And I am typically sharing it on my social media with my friend circle, but I want this to reach everyone. I know that there's tons of self-help and personal development stuff out there. I get that. Um, I'm not trying to necessarily just be another one of those. I just want to have a platform with which I can share what I learned. And if you're interested in hearing about it, great. And if it helps you even better. So again, welcome. Thank you for joining me and I hope you enjoy. Okay. So let me introduce myself. My name is Christina and I'm from Las Vegas, Nevada, born and raised. Um, I did move around a little bit when I was a kid. I was an Air Force brat. My dad was in the military, so I grew up on on a military base. Um, But I landed back in Las Vegas, and I've been here since I was nine years old. I'm also a mother of two. I have two amazing little boys. And, I mean, I know I'm biased, but, like, trust me, they're amazing. Um, (laughs) They're 12 and 13, and, yeah, we're on that cusp of – the teenage years. That's fun. I am an educator. I teach high school math um, here in Las Vegas and have been for, I'm now going into my seventh year. Although I do have aspirations of moving into administration. So I'm looking into being, you know, an instructional coach or an assistant principal. I just finished my master's program on that. So we'll see where my career takes me in that respect. Um, I'm also a policy fellow for an organization that advocates for policy change in our schools. And so I am um, actively working with our state legislators and other um, officials in education to try and um, promote policy that will, you know, improve our schools and make things better for students and teachers. I'm an activist as well in in many human rights issues. I believe that Black Lives Matter. I am an LGBTQ plus ally. And yeah, that's me. So nice to meet you guys. I'm so glad you're here. Okay, so today's episode is about this notion that people are products of their childhood conditioning. Now, this is something that has been life-changing for me to figure out because I was raised by a narcissistic mother. And so one of the hallmark tactics of a narcissist is to gaslight you or essentially erase your memories and, and rewrite 
history in your mind. And so I was told, I was made to believe that everything that I'm experiencing now as an adult, everything that is wrong with me is just because I was born bad. But now I know better. I know that people are products of their childhood conditioning. And I know that everything I shame myself for now in adulthood, every every shortcoming, coming, every failure, that it all, my childhood conditioning was a contributing factor in that. And acknowledging that is not um, usurping my responsibility. Quite the contrary. Acknowledging that is helping me to understand that I'm not this broken, flawed, unlovable human being. I came from conditioning in my childhood. And guess what? I can unlearn that conditioning. So let's jump into it. Have you ever wondered why people behave the way that they do? And if you're like me, you've been pondering this question for the better part of your life. I have spent nearly my entire adulthood trying to answer this question. So while I've been on this exploratory mission into finding this answer, I started to actually refocus the question back onto myself. Why do I behave the way that I do? And not surprisingly, the answer to this question is what helped me to understand my original question. So if you want to know why people behave the way that they do, start by answering the question of why you behave the way that you do. And the answer is actually really simple. People are products of their childhood conditioning, which means that you yourself are a product of your childhood conditioning. So what I am starting to realize as I'm in the social media sphere is that we as a generation, and I'm specifically talking about millennials, um, I am a, an elder millennial, born in 1984. We're finally beginning to normalize conversations around the ways in which our parents failed us, whether it was unintentionally or not, okay? I'm not sitting here bashing parents. That's not what I'm trying to do right now. But a lot of our parents had some really poor parenting tactics, that they acquired from their own childhood conditioning, their ignorance about parenting, um, maybe their religious or political leanings, um, maybe because of a lack of support or resources, or mental and physical health issues. So either way, whatever the reason is for your parent not meeting your needs as a kid, the fact remains that our needs were not met as kids. And so because of that, we grew up into the adults that we are with the coping mechanisms that we have, right? So when we're kids, we have lots of needs. And rightfully so. We're defenseless when we're young. We need our parents to provide us with the basic necessities like food, shelter, a bed, clothing. Those are just our basic needs, right? But we also have emotional needs, we need to feel like we're loved. We need to feel a sense of belonging in our homes and our families at, at school. We need approval and support. And so while most of our parents did their best to provide for those basics, you know, most of our parents were providing us the basic needs. They are required by law. So, you know, if we weren't getting them, we would have been in foster care. But we, most of our parents did that. 
And many of our parents did their best and thought that they were providing for our emotional needs. The problem is there's these micro traumas, these little T traumas that we suffered as kids over and over and over again. And those micro traumas tend to happen in the space between our parents' attempt at providing for our emotional needs and their ignorance about how to properly do so. So the intention was there. It's just the knowledge and the skill was not. And so that's, that's where these microtraumas are tending to happen. I was in probably my early 30s, um, so about a decade into my therapy sessions with the most amazing therapist in the world. Her name is Corrine. I love her to death. She was almost the mother figure I never had. Um, but I realized with my work through her that I had an erroneous belief about my childhood. I believe that I had good parents who did their best and gave me everything that I needed. And so naturally, I couldn't figure out why I was suffering so much in adulthood and why I was making so many poor choices. And so what I realized by working with my therapist is that this notion that my childhood was just unblemished and trauma-free was just simply not true. I'd been conditioned by them and by society for that matter, to believe that because my parents provided for my basic needs, they weren't drug addicts or alcoholics. I mean, my dad was for a little bit, but it was a kind of got it under control situation. They didn't beat me down regularly. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't black and blue bruised. And they made sure I got to school every day that I was told that my childhood was trauma-free. And so they just couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. It must be chemical imbalances in my brain. Why would this child who comes from this home that provides for all of her needs, why would this child be trying to commit suicide twice as a teenager? Why would this child enter into an abusive marriage later on? Why would this, this young adult be suffering from depression and anxiety and ADHD and personality disorders and other mental health issues. Why is this, why is this person like this? She had such a good home. And those are the questions I ask myself. Why am I like this? I don't understand what's wrong with me. Why was I born this way? Right? Some deep self-worth issues there. So when I was growing up as a kid in the 90s and early 2000s, this is a belief that many clinicians, social workers, school employees, parenting experts, and other adults held on to was that if your basic needs were being met, you're fine. I mean, you can even look at, if you look at the, uh, the ACEs quiz, adverse childhood experiences quiz, they ask you 10 questions on that quiz. And with the exception of, I think, one question, there's really nothing there that that is overly focused on emotional neglect and emotional abuse okay i think it's one question on there if i'm remembering correctly so even this this landmark study and and this this i mean don't get me wrong this quiz is is very it's very insightful and indicative even even they at the time were not realizing the impact of emotional neglect and abuse okay so then millennials started becoming clinicians and parenting experts and they started speaking out about trauma and i remember when i started seeing this 
coming out, coming in through social media. And I don't know if, well, it was a combination of it wasn't talked about very much because it was kind of emerging, talking about childhood trauma and things like that. And also because social media was becoming such a, it was becoming a more widely used platform for people to share their ideas, right? So it could get to more people. And so I started noticing that this idea of childhood trauma and how our parenting affects us and, 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 you know, how we become who we are because of it. I started noticing this coming around all the time. And so then I'm noticing parenting experts coming in and talking about gentle parenting techniques, raising awareness about the fact that it actually is harmful to hit your kids. You shouldn't hit your kids for any reason. It actually is harmful to let your baby cry it out. You shouldn't do that, you know, and, and you should, you should be tending to your kids' emotional needs. This was becoming more widely understood, right? And then they were raising awareness about the harmful effects of parenting styles, like authoritarian or permissive parenting. So it started becoming clear to me now, parenting styles, childhood conditioning, ignorance, lack of resources and support, religious or political leanings, mental or physical health issues of your parents are all affecting children and they're producing the adults that we see today. And this is not a problem that's unique to our time period. This has been happening for as long as humans have been rearing children. It's just we're finally... Uh, we're finally realizing it now. Okay. So how many of us out there believe that we had these amazing childhoods that were free of trauma? I mean, our parents didn't, they didn't, they didn't beat us. They didn't abandon us. They weren't doing drugs and alcohol around us. So they must've been fine, right? Like they must've been good parents. And yet here we are suffering from codependency and narcissism and perfectionism and anxiety and depression and avoidant behaviors and substance abuse and you name it. Mental health disorders, we're being diagnosed left and right with this, that, and we can't figure it out because I thought we had a good childhood. Now, again, I want to put this disclaimer in here. I am by no means suggesting that everyone's parents are bad people. That's not what I'm saying. Quite the contrary. I believe that most parents are genuinely doing their best with the skills and resources they have. I can say this with confidence as a mother and as a teacher, every year I'm dealing with two to 300 sets of parents. And so in my experience, most parents are doing what they think is best. It's just that they are not equipped with the skills and resources they need to, to really truly understand how their parenting is affecting their kids. Basically, most of us parents have no idea what the hell we're doing and we're acting on our conditioning. It's basically autopilot parenting. We're just doing what we was done to us or what we think is right in the moment and we don't realize how much it's harming our children. We think you know, screaming at our children. Well, I mean, that's what was done to us, or at least at the very least, that's what gets the job done. If I scream at them, they'll do it. Not realizing the long-term effects of doing that, right? Well, I was spanked and I, I turned out fine. So I'll spank my kids, but those things are still harming your kids, right? Like, so when we know better, we have to do better. And so I think the problem with parenting is that so many of us don't know better.
And it's not our fault. We just need to go and learn, right? Once that you understand that you are a product of your childhood conditioning, you're not on, you're, you not only are able to unlearn this programming, but then you can be a conscious observer of how this conditioning is going to play out or how this conditioning is playing out in every facet of your life. And most importantly, how this conditioning is playing out in your parenting, how you're parenting your kids. I feel like one of the easiest ways that you can discover how your parents' conditioning manifested in your personality is just to look at the ways that you were punished and rewarded for your behavior when you were a kid. These are probably the same things you're doing to your own kids and not realizing that they're harmful. So for example, I've got a few examples here. Um, maybe you had parents who valued grades. Like maybe that's one of the most important things in, in your household was that you got good grades, right? And if you brought home A's and B's, then your parents were like, yep, that's exactly what is expected of you. Good. Keep bringing those grades home. But when you dared walk through that door with a report card that had a D or an F on it, oh boy, all hell broke loose. Your parents were mad. They were disappointed in you. They accused you of not paying attention. Maybe they were so mad that they didn't want to speak to you the rest of the night. Maybe they were so mad that they took away your TV or told you you couldn't play outside with your friends because you need to focus on your studies, right? This kind of reaction from our parents is terrifying. Disappointment from a parent feels like soul, like a soul-crushing blow when you're a kid. It's the worst thing in the world when you're, you come home and your parent is disappointed in you over something you did, right? You're a kid. You're this new baby human. You don't understand how to navigate the world. You're learning. And here you are with a bad grade and your parents are just, oh, I can't believe how disappointed I am. I'm not mad. I'm disappointed, right? So our conditioning starts there. When our parents have a response to something good that we do and we love that response, we're going to keep doing that thing, right? Because in the end, as kids, all we want from our parents is their love and their approval and to feel like we belong in our own families. And so if we do something and our parent loves and approves of us and makes us feel like we belong so much in that family, like we're going to do it, whatever it is. It could be that our parents give us love and attention and approval when we play sports. Dad loves football and oh his son wants to play football now and man he, he spends all his time with his boy now like that boy is going to play sports for dad me getting good grades that was how I got just a modicum of approval from my parents so you know what I'm gonna get good grades even if it kills me I'm gonna stress myself out over getting those grades and if I don't get those good grades then I am going to beat myself up as a kid because I made my parents disappointed in me. And there's something bad about me for doing that. I am bad because I have to be bad to make my own parents disappointed in me. So this is where the conditioning starts. Some of us, I mean, our parents condition us in, in, in lots of different ways. Grades is just a good example because everybody's parents had a thought or an opinion about grades, right? 
And so I've got parents who are overly focused on grades and those kids are just anxious messes because they are so afraid of their parents' reaction if they don't get the grade. And then I've got parents who, you know, couldn't care less about school for whatever their reasons are. And you know what? Those kids don't care either because it doesn't matter. They're not getting any reaction from their parent out of it. So why care? Right? Especially at that age. Why care? What do I care? My parents don't care. Why do I care? So grades is a big one. Um, It also starts to teach us to tie our self-worth to external things. So when I get a good grade, I am good. I am loved. I am approved of. I am accepted. When I get a bad grade, I am isolated. I am outcasted. I am rejected. I am not lovable. So I need to to achieve and, and I need to pursue these outside things in order to get love. That's what we're teaching our kids, right? That's the message that we send to kids when we have these when we when we emotionally blackmail them essentially because we have these punish reward systems that include an emotional response you didn't get a good grade now i am mad or disappointed you got a good grade now i am happy and i am going to give you attention and approval we're attaching this emotion to their behavior we're also teaching them that they are responsible for our emotional states, okay? And don't get me wrong, I'm so guilty of this. I mean, when my kids are being loud or they're fighting, I get very anxious. And when I get really anxious and stressed out, I am not very nice. That's when when the yelling, sweary mom comes out. That's when I'm like, you guys are not, you know? And, And I have to, I have to, rein myself in because I do not want to teach my children that they're responsible for my emotional state because when I do that, I breed codependent. I, I, I breed codependent adults. They're going to go out into the world and in order to control and manipulate someone else's emotional state, they're going to find ways to do that. They're going to become people pleasers. They're going to become rescuers. They're going to become performers. I need to be the life of the party so everyone likes me and they're happy with me. Okay, this is how we create codependence and narcissists by, by teaching our children that our emotional state is dependent on what they do, okay, and how they perform for us and what they achieve. What an unfathomably unreasonable responsibility to put on the shoulders of a child, of a brand new baby human. That's, that's an, that's a a tall order even for a grown up. I'm responsible for your emotions. So I have to watch everything I say and do and think so that you are not mad at me or disappointed or reject me. That's what we're doing to our kids. Our parents may have done the best they could, but most parents are just parenting on the pretense that their kids must behave in a certain way in order to appease their shortcomings. For example, a mother who struggles with her own anxiety, right? That's her, that's her struggle, not her kid's struggle. That's her struggle. 
but because she can't handle how anxious she gets when the kids are loud or bouncing off the walls or not doing what they're supposed to be doing, she may be the mother who demands compliance and quiet from her children. Go to your rooms, be quiet, get your chores done. That better be done by the time I get home because I can't handle how anxious I feel when the house is a mess. So these kids learn that them just being normal kids is too much for mom. Mom goes crazy when, when I'm just being a normal kid. So I got to be quiet. I got to stay out of her way or I got to do things to please her. I got to hurry up and clean up the whole house for her. I got to make sure I get all the good grades. I have to be perfect, a perfect kid. So I don't make her unhappy. Or maybe the father who works 14 hour days to support his family. And again, doing his best, but when he gets home, he's tired. He's no energy. And so when the kids are jumping on him and yelling, yay, daddy, you're home. Can you play Monopoly with us? No, get away from me. I'm tired. I don't, I don't want, no, leave me alone. I just want to watch TV and drink a beer and go and just go to bed tonight. Leave me alone. Can you help me with my homework? No, I don't have, I don't have time for that. Ask your teacher. So then these kids start to learn that their needs are not important to their father and that if they want to be loved, they can't be needy. I have to just lock away my needs and not express any because I, dad can't handle that. I got I to gotta make sure dad isn't overwhelmed. He works all the time. Okay, so these are the stories we start to tell ourselves. My dad works so hard for us. He just wants to be left alone. It's fine. I don't need to need anything from him. I'm not allowed to have needs. Or maybe you have a codependent mother and, oh, Lord, codependent mothers, they love their babies. They love them so much. Their life is all about their babies. And they sometimes don't realize how much they try to make life so easy for their kids because they don't want them to suffer the way they did that they create, they enable their child. They create entitlement in their baby. I don't want my kid to fail at anything. Oh, he gets so sad and upset. And I just, it's, I can't deal with how sad he and, and upset he gets. It's just, he cries and he feels so bad about himself. And I just don't want him to fail at anything. And so because of that, I'm going to make sure to remove every obstacle in his life that he ever faces. I'm going to solve all of his problems. I'm going to be his security net whenever he falls. I'm never going to allow him to feel any negative emotions or any failure. Not going to experience any failure. And so then this kid never learns to be resilient and to overcome. And, and also never learns that in spite of failure, he can still succeed. So he, he really never builds self-worth because self-worth is built out of us realizing like, oh, I can survive this. This is, I'm strong. I can do this, right? Maybe the parent... And I, I see this a lot. Maybe the parent, you know, kid messes up, makes a mistake, and consequences are in order. Natural consequences, you know. And mom, again, can't handle the way her baby feels when he's like that. Maybe he throws a tantrum. Maybe he's sad. She just can't handle it. And so consequences don't get doled out. There's no consequences for poor behavior. And this kid develops a sense of entitlement, expects things to be easy, expects, expects, mom, expects people to just let it go when he messes up. 
you know, doesn't really learn from his mistakes because there's, there's no consequences. And so because he doesn't learn from his mistakes, because there's no consequences, he, he develops this, this entitlement to the idea that he shouldn't have consequences for his mistakes. I messed up, but you're supposed to just get over it. They never learn to empathize consequently with how their behavior affects other people because there's never any consequences, right? So they don't even learn how to, how to connect their behavior with how it's affecting people around them. And so now in your effort as a parent to make things easy for your child, you've now bred a, a, an adult who's entitled and can't empathize with others, right? And so as an adult, now you have to look back and go, okay, let's see all of these maybe toxic behaviors that I have, maybe maladaptive coping mechanisms that I have. Maybe when I get mad, I stuff it all away and I cold shoulder and stonewall everybody. Is there a reason why you're doing that? Because you, you weren't born that way. Your parents had a way of parenting you and you in turn developed these skills and coping mechanisms and personality traits and you took them into adulthood and when you got into adulthood with other people you were like whoa this actually isn't quite working the way it did when i was a kid Welp, you know so what are your parents what did your parents teach you while they were trying to do their best what did they what core beliefs did you form and what personality traits and what coping mechanisms did you develop as a result of how your parents parented you. So again, not bad parents, not even bad people. Most of these parents, their intention is, I just want to raise my kid to be this. I want my kid to grow up and be A, B, and C. <clears throat> or I need my kid to be A, B, and C because I am overwhelmed, or I am exhausted, or I don't know better, or this is just how I was raised, so this is how I raise my kids. And so we unintentionally raise adults who are anxious, avoidant, perfectionistic, codependent, or even narcissistic. And all of these personality traits, you're not born with them. And they don't make you bad. You're not bad or flawed or broken. You did exactly what your body is designed to do. You adapted and survived. You adapted to your environment. That's what we're supposed to do. It's a literally evolution at its finest. It's just that we're not in the, the prairies of Africa anymore. So our adaptations aren't things like, you know, more muscles in our legs so we can run faster. Our adaptations now are mental and emotional because our world consists of our interpersonal relationships with other people. So these are evolutionary adaptations. But the good news is that you can unlearn them. You can't take away a muscle adaptation in your legs, but you can unlearn these coping mechanisms and traits, which is, th that should be great news, right? So you don't, you're not broken. You don't need fixing. You were just evolving in an environment where your parents either didn't understand your needs or 
didn't respect your needs or viewed your needs as too much for them or oppressive for them. And so it's not, the thing is, it's not your fault for having these needs. It is not your fault that you had these needs. You have these needs. Those are okay. It's valid. It's okay that you need love and belonging and acceptance. It's okay. You just form these adaptations in order to get those needs met. And so while these adaptations that you that you formed are not your fault, they were you are a product of your childhood conditioning. You develop them to survive your environment and get your needs met. But it is your responsibility now to unlearn those adaptations and replace them with better ones. Like I said, now that you know better, you do better. So once you discover how your childhood conditioning is contributing to who you are today, you can begin to unlearn that conditioning and learn healthier ways of getting your needs met. Maybe you're, maybe you, you like to be told you're beautiful and you're loved and you need reassurance like that. And your partner doesn't say it to you. And then you try to say it to them and they don't say it back because maybe that's just not how they are. And so you respond by being passive aggressive and just not talking to them very, very much that night. Right. And so you don't get your needs met, right? Because you're, you're mad and they still don't know what's going on and they're still not saying what you want to hear. Right. And so now they're irritated because why aren't you talking to me right now? And then nothing got solved. So rather than becoming, you know, I should say this passive aggression, you probably learned that from one of your parents or you learned that that was a good way to get them to notice that you were mad. It was just to just mm, and just pout it out. Right. And then they were like, oh, honey, what's wrong? And, and when they responded to that, then you were like, OK, this works. If I just get passive aggressive, if I just get quiet and pouty, then they'll respond. And that's not working in your relationship. So instead, you realize that you realize this about yourself and you try a different tactic. Hey, babe, um, I really I, I'm all about words of affirmation. I really need you to tell me sometimes that you love me and that you're not going anywhere. I need to hear it sometimes. I just need it. Can you do that? And then hopefully your partner's like, yeah, of course I can. That's no problem. And now you've taken an unhealthy adaptation you learned as a kid, being passive aggressive, not stating your needs, pouting, and replaced it with a healthier adaptation, calmly expressing your needs to your partner, telling them what you need. without the passive aggression and you got your needs met. And here's how we identify where we've got these unhealthy traits and what we can replace them with. All right. I am going to recommend a book to you guys. It is called the adult. It's called adult children of emotionally immature parents by Lindsay, Lindsay Gibson. Um, I actually wrote an article on this podcast on the medium. So I'm going to link that in the show notes and then you can go and check out the article. Um, At the very bottom of the article, you'll find a link to this book if you're interested in reading it. I highly recommend it. 
I started reading this book thinking to myself, oh, this book is going to be great. It's going to tell me everything I need to know about how emotionally immature my parents were. And then I read it and I was like, oh, no, I am the emotionally immature parent. (laughs) I was I felt so called out reading this book, but I like being called out because being called out, that uncomfortable feeling of being called out. Oh, boy, that is such a great uh, a, a great like land landing. <laughs> I don't even know the word I'm looking for to jump from. It's a great place to take off from. Let's put it that way. And so it helps me to realize the areas in which I need to grow. So highly recommend that book. Um, it's got some great techniques in there and tactics for how to maintain and, and build, um, your, on your relationship with your emotionally immature parents, if you have them, um, so that you don't have to, you don't have to feel that pain in your inner child anymore. All right. Well, that's the end of today's episode. Again, thank you so much for joining me on my first episode. I'm so excited. I can't wait to see you for the next one. Happy healing. I will see you guys next time.